1: I'm Damian Bullwood. Today on 5th and Mission, around the Bay Area, cities are now drafting state-mandated plans for how they'll build a lot more homes. But are these plans real, or are some of them fudged? All told, cities are being asked to create more than 441,000 apartments and houses by 2031. That's to accommodate the massive demand that is driving the affordability crisis we all know about. This isn't a choice, though. Under state law, cities must build their fair share of housing at varying levels of affordability, even if they don't want to. They have to get state approval for those plans, they're called housing elements, or else they run the risk of losing money and control over their own development. My colleague Joe Garofoli is here. He's the Chronicle's senior political writer and the host of It's All Political on Fifth and Mission. As Joe looked into these housing plans, he found that cities are continuing to promise to build homes on seemingly improbable sites. Joe, how you doing? All right, bud. How are you? I'm good. Before we get into this whole plan for more housing and what it means, I mean, what do you mean by improbable sites?
2: They're saying that they were built on sites like a creek or on top of a church that's occupied and has no plans to build housing on the site or a thriving business. We'll get into this, but it's it's kind of strange.
1: Yeah, they've been doing it for a while, right? It's sort of like, wink, wink, maybe we'll be able to build here But this is 2031. A lot of these places, it's not going to happen.
2: Oh, yeah. A lot of it's not going to happen. And it is just a plan. But these plans have had a history of being sort of a a bureaucratic joke, if you will. And there hasn't been a lot of enforcement of the plans when these cities have said, oh, I'll build here promise. Or I'll build in places that are very improbable, which we're looking at today. And as a result, California is in the situation it's in now. As Governor Newsom says, this is California's original sin the lack of building housing over decades.
1: Joe, let's go back. I mean, let's talk about the process. Tell me about how this whole thing works.
2: Okay. Since 1969, the state of California has required each local government to plan for its share of what the state's housing needs are for people of all income levels. This plan is developed by the California Department of Housing and Community Development, and it's known as the Regional Housing Needs Determination. We're going to get in the weeds in here a little bit, but stick with us. So the states divide up into a bunch of regions and each region comes up with its own number. And every eight years, every municipality is required to submit a a plan that shows where it would place all that housing within its borders.
1: So Joe, all cities you're saying have to do this, even if maybe they're full of NIMBYs, even if they don't want to grow at all, what do these, these housing elements look like? Basically each
2: local government has to update their housing element of their general plan and their zoning to show how they would accommodate all the units that they're assigned to build. In the past, as we said, these proposals are included of a lot of uh, fakes. They haven't been. They haven't been real. Historically, Matthew Lewis, a spokesman for the pro housing group California YIMBY, told me that cities were just submitting maps and they knew nobody would ever look at them. Nobody would ever verify the sites. Nobody would ever come back and make sure that something got built on them. So they're like. Why bother with a real map? We can just submit a fake one. But that's changing? That is changing. This is a priority for uh, Newsom and Attorney General Rob Bonta. The state's cracking down in the cities for their more dubious proposals. We know what the problem is here. the Housing prices are skyrocketing because of a lack of inventory. There's 161,000 Californians living on the streets. And regulators are, are newly empowered. And they're less tolerant of cities they're proposing to build uh, housing on locations like a cemetery, which San Diego planners actually did.
1: So how are they enforcing these and what are the consequences?
2: Well, already we're seeing some of the enforcement. Southern California region already had their first deadline for getting their proposals in. And out of 197 Southern California jurisdictions, only 73 were in compliance. And that's that means that people were, were keeping an eye out for them. They have other chances to resubmit, but they could lose state funding as well as their uh, authority to control what's being built in their, in their borders. And that is a huge deal for cities. They do not want to lose that local control.
1: In other words, there's a chance that someone could come in, a developer, and propose something that might be taller than they want, that might be, not be the, the right zoning, and that local board, whether, whether it's the city council or what have you, could lose some control.
2: There would be sort of a a period of chaos. We're seeing that already in cities like Santa Monica down south. But here in the Bay Area, still fairly early in the process, and uh, of the first 19 proposals that have been submitted, 18 have been not in compliance. Only the city of Alameda has been in compliance so far.
1: You're saying 18 of 19 cities still have to go back to the drawing board? They have to go back to the drawing board. And they have until
2: January 31st to get their plans approved by state regulators.
1: And Joe, before I get into some of these individual housing elements, I mean, these plans, does this mean all this stuff's going to get built? I mean, even if the plans look good?
2: No, I mean, that not everything's going to be built. Uh, look at the pace of development so far. I mean, even though it's upticked a, a little bit, the way California moves is so slowly We certainly have seen a move to more Yimbyism, yes, in my backyard feelings in the state. But there are still a great number of NIMBYs in the state and a great number of uh, cities, mostly smaller cities, wealthier cities, suburban areas where people do not uh, want uh, more housing built of of any kind. It's going to be a tough slog to get a lot of stuff built.
1: All right. I want to ask you about some of these individual plans that that seem outlandish, as you found. But first, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back on Fifth and Mission.
0: You're listening to Fifth and Mission. You can support the newsroom that creates this podcast by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod, or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app.
1: Welcome back to 5th and Mission. I'm Damian Bullwood, joined by Chronicle senior political writer Joe Garofoli. He's also the host of It's All Political on 5th and Mission right here. Joe, let's talk about some of the specifics. I mean, when you looked around and when when some of the activists that want more housing in the Bay Area to be built looked around, they found a lot of sites where housing doesn't look like it can be built. I mean, what, what are you seeing?
2: Well, let's let's go first to Danville, and that's a, a wealthy East Bay city where the median income there is about uh, household income is about one hundred sixty seven thousand dollars. This place has has never been a hotbed of a development other than the high end kind. Uh, th- three years ago, I went out there when uh, city leaders through they they literally had a celebration with cake and everything to celebrate the largest multifamily development there ever. It was one hundred forty four units, and eleven were classified as affordables. This is not a place where uh, you know, you're seeing a framing going up a lot there. But now, that it, as part of their housing element, part of their plan, they pitched building over part of San Ramon Creek. The pro-housing activists at East Bay for Everyone described the parcel as, quote, it's, it's more creek than dry land. It's nigh impossible to build on. And then let's go to the heart of Silicon Valley, uh, Los Altos Hills. So, the median income is $250,000. They included parts of Foothill De Anza Community College in its plan. The chancellor wasn't too pleased. I got a hold of a letter that said, uh, you know, I've had several meetings with city staff the past year, and we made clear that while the district remains open to continuing conversations, we do not envision housing on Foothill College campus at any time in the near future and are not interested in supporting rezoning. Nonetheless, it was included on their, on their plan.
1: Joe, that reaction is so interesting. I mean, you, you, you found people who seem to have at least some inkling that, that housing might be proposed sometime in the future on their site, or at least maybe they got some word from city officials. But you also spoke to people who, it was the first they heard when they, when they were told that they were, there was going to be housing at their site, the land they own, they were shocked.
2: Right. Like in Los Altos, city of Los Altos, they proposed housing on the uh, site of the Drager's grocery store. That seems unlikely to happen, the uh, the owner, uh, John Draeger, told me. He said, we, we, we recently completed a multi-million dollar upgrade of our store. Dringer's continues intends to continue operating as we are currently. Also in Los Altos, they proposed building on the site of the Los Altos United Methodist Church. That was news to church leaders. Uh, and the pastor told uh, the local paper, the Los Altos uh, town crier in June, that our property is very fully used. It's hard to imagine that housing would work here. We certainly haven't discussed it. And I, I checked back in with a the minister there and, and uh, uh, Dirk DeMonte and he said, the, he told me that uh, nothing has changed since that story and her comment stands. So it's, sometimes it's, it's a surprise to people like when you, when you learn that, well, uh, the city has plans to build housing on your on the site of your business or your church, or it's kind of
1: discomforting. Couple, couple small units in the produce section of Drager's, maybe, Joe? <laughs> yes,
2: maybe maybe we could take out the dairy section. We're not using that.
1: Okay. So, okay, I want to ask you about Piedmont, too, which which is this, another very wealthy city in the East Bay. And very interesting, the, the sort of tension over where they might put housing.
2: Yeah, they uh, proposed building housing on land that was occupied by City Hall and the Fire Department. The idea was there that they could, at least in theory, rebuild these aging structures that have been around for maybe 100 years and then freeing up the acreage to build housing there. But the, I spoke to the mayor of uh, Piedmont, uh, Teddy Grape King, and she, she you know, she kind of put the kibosh, among others, uh, on this. Uh, and she said, it just seemed very unrealistic to me. She said, let's put together a plan where, uh, where we can actually think that's a good place for housing and don't put stuff on the list that nobody actually wants to be, see used for that
1: purpose. So in other words, yeah, let's get real. Let's get real. And that's,
2: again, Piedmont is a place where there is very little commercial development, let alone multifamily
1: housing. So, Joe, if we're seeing this over and over again, why would a city put forth a plan to, to put housing on, like you said, a, a church site or over a creek?
2: Well, I spoke to uh, Chris Elmendorf, and uh, he's a professor of law at UC Davis, and he's an expert in the state's housing element law. He said that for cities, there are two major reasons to propose housing in places where there's little chance of it being built. One is that when planning officials run analytical programs to hunt for possible development parcels, this sort of dragnet will turn up some sites that have thriving businesses whose owners have no intention to sell or to build housing. It can be hard to sift out all that information. But the other suspected reason Elmendorf said is that city leaders are under competing pressures from regulators and residents. They end up suggesting building housing in places where they know it won't build. He told me some of them are doing it because they don't want to have multifamily housing built in the city. This has been a longstanding tension.
1: So in other words, Joe, put it on there, get it approved, keep it control of development in your town, and then push it off till 2031 or when the next process comes around.
2: You're buying yourself another eight years of not having to build housing in your town or or very little
1: of it. So, Joe, it is a pretty arcane process. Why should people care about it? Why should they be watching it? I asked that to Matt Lewis, because this is tough stuff to slog through.
2: And he said, if you're wondering why your kids' favorite teachers are leaving town, if you're wondering why your favorite restaurant shut down, if you're wondering why we're struggling to hire police officers and firefighters all over the Bay Area, it comes back to this region-wide failure to provide enough housing to match our economic and population growth. And without plans to build housing, housing's not going to get built.
1: Joe Garofoli, thanks for joining me. Always, brother. Thanks to our guest, Joe Garofoli. He's the Chronicle's senior political writer, also the host of It's All Political right here on Fifth and Mission. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening.